Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Wise men from the east. Matthew 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. We heard part of the story today from the kids. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Interesting how when the governments hear of something happening that they're out of control of, they want to know more about it to decide what they can do about it. I just want to proclaim, no matter what nation we're in, or I've been into many nations, 49 in, in the world, to declare that no matter what government says or doesn't say, the body of Christ is alive and growing. And church will never be silenced. We might have limitations, we might have gathering limitations uh, because of viruses and pandemics and different things like that, but the church can never be destroyed. Because you and I are the church, we are the bride of Christ. We are actually the celebration of all that Jesus did, being born, lived 33 years, was hung on a cross, crucified, and rose again. But you and I now are the living celebration of all that he has done. That's our destiny, that's what you and I are called into. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written, to, for thus it was written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Interesting, the government, the king Herod, heard and knew some of the prophecies that had come. And so he gathered the wise men who were actually going to be introduced into something before he was. I pray that we have governments that are so on fire for God that they're not the last to be introduced to what God wants to do. I pray that our governments will be so on fire by the Lord Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they will actually empower what God wants to do instead of be behind to try to catch up or be behind and try to destroy Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Hmm. When they heard the king, they departed. 
And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Look at verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that their government was lying. The king was lying. Like, I want you to hear my, hear my heart. I'm not talking about today. I mean, I think there's some things going on that maybe aren't all in our best interest. Some might be. The king had told them to go to see where this boy, this king of the Jews, was going to be born, and then bring that word back to the king so he could worship him. But you see, the king's attitude and heart was not about worshiping a new king of the Jews. The king's attitude was about retaining power and authority to probably destroy anything, or imprison anything that could possibly rise up and question his own authority. I want to tell you that all through history, especially in the Word of God, that this is our law. This is the living Word of God. Now, it's very clear that we are to honor, we're actually to pray uh, uh, respect our authorities, absolutely, we're to do that, until it goes against this. Once it goes against this, then I truly believe verse 12 jumps in. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. They had an invite to go back to King Herod, but they actually listened to what God spoke to them in a dream was more important than an invite to the most powerful man around. That's huge. Because I'll tell you what, I have no doubt in my mind, whether it's in this nation or the nations around the world, uh, I guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, at some point in time in life, you and I have to make a decision on whether we're going to stand up for this word, the truth that sets us free, or we're going to succumb to the possibility of being with royalty of a nation. Every president that I have been blessed to meet with and pray with and prophesy over, I have never bowed down to them. I have always stood my ground with what the Word of God has spoken to me. And I've been blessed to meet with many presidents and, and talk with them. And, and then the Word of the Lord would give me something and prophesy over their children or over their kids and they'd break down and some of them in tears. Some of them are like, okay, I know that you're... You're, you're something, like you're a prophet or something. And I'm like, no, I'm actually just a son of God because I'm adopted by, by a man named Jesus Christ who died on the cross. He, he, he actually opened up the adoption papers for me and for you. I truly believe that we're in a season 
where we need to grasp the understanding and not be swayed by what seems normal around us. Normality is becoming too sinful in many, many ways. I look at these kids up here. (laughs) You can definitely tell that God has created girls and boys. Not a question. None of them actually, in my mind, from what my Bible says, has the right to decide what they're going to be. I I truly believe what my word is very, very clear. And the word of God is very, very clear that he has created man and woman, male and female. And I guarantee you, you could watch the actions and reactions of male and female. Watch this row of girls back here. They weren't distracted with what's going on up front. They were just singing away. They were just loving what they were doing. Kezia was over here. She's doing all the expressions and smiling and dancing. And the little boys were, let's just say they were more stoic. And my little grandson wanted to fix something over here. And he wants to go check out the baptismal tank. And he wants to, you know, it's... Male and female. The interesting thing about this story of Bethlehem, of Jesus Christ, why on earth Bethlehem? I'm going to talk a little bit about the actual city of Bethlehem. Sharon and I were blessed to go see it um, when we were over in Israel. And I mean, it was actually tough to get there because we had to go through the borders. And and actually, it's very violent around it. But Bethlehem... Out of all the cities that could have been chosen around that region, Bethlehem was it. I mean, a village in Palestine. Probably, it's about 10 kilometers away from Jerusalem. But you look at this and you think, Bethlehem actually didn't have a ton of history. It's not like, oh, Bethlehem, oh yeah, it mentioned, you know, Tons of tons in the scriptures before all these great things that happened. No, it was kind of like a sleepy little town. <laughs> it didn't really do much. It just was a sleepy little town. If the church had put together and appointed a committee to choose what city that Jesus should be born in, I guarantee you Bethlehem wouldn't have been it. Kind of like Aldergrove wouldn't probably have been it. <laughs> oh, but Langley or Abbotsford or Chilliwack. Oh, Vancouver's got to be Vancouver. False Creek, maybe. That's got Victoria. Oh, let's go across the water. But probably not Aldergrove. A lot of better cities in Hebrew history. But why on earth a city? Like Bethlehem. A city like Hebron, that would have been a better bet. I mean, that was such an important role, the city of Hebron in in the Jewish history. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, later David, were all associated with Hebron. Jerusalem? Yeah. Jerusalem would have been a super logical choice. It was only 10 kilometers north. It wouldn't have been that hard to just walk up there. 611 times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Old Testament alone. 
from the day that David captured Jerusalem, from the Jebusites to make the city his own, Jerusalem would have been good, right to the building of King Solomon's temple. (laughs) Yeah, Jerusalem would have been a good choice. I'm sure that a site committee would have chosen probably Jerusalem. But no, Jerusalem wasn't chosen for the birth of a king. Nazareth would have been good. Mary and Joseph, hometown. They would have had family, they would have had sisters, brothers, family, cousins, all to help raise this child. But no, not even Nazareth was chosen. So why Bethlehem? The ancient prophet's own words says about Bethlehem was small among the clans of Judah. For whatever the reason, Bethlehem never rose to a position of prominence in its history. I mean, two events do stand out in Bethlehem. One was where, da- where, where King David was born and grew up. That was Bethlehem. And the love story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, that was Bethlehem. But those are pretty much the only two things that happened in Bethlehem. But why? For so many years, the destiny of Bethlehem just wasn't on the maps. It wasn't in people's minds. We sing a song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Even it sang. Listen to the words, O Little Town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie. You're sleeping, little town. Above the deep and dreamless sleep. You're not even having dreams there. The silent stars go by. Doesn't it just sound like I want to go take a siesta in the hammock? Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Bethlehem, little dreamless town. Bethlehem was historically asleep until Magi came from the east following a star. Why Bethlehem? Well, let's look at what Bethlehem is. What does the name mean? It means literally house of bread. I think this is significant in three ways. First point, Christ was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. To identify with the common people. To be able to say, you know what? I don't, as a king, have to be born in a mansion, in a kingdom, in royalty, in money, in power, in authority. I don't have to be born. You and I do not have to be royalty in mansions and uh, finding millions and billions of dollars in life. That's our drive. No, 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 no. You don't have to have that to know the bread of life. Because Jesus didn't come for the super, super rich people. He came for all people. But his greatest ministry was with the average people, the poor and the average. But yet he impacted the highest of all authority on this earth. Jesus was not born in a house of royalty. He didn't have the riches. He wasn't born in a a celebrity's house. He wasn't born in Jerusalem or Rome. Athens or Alexandria. I mean, these cities were powerful. He just wasn't born there. 
He wasn't born in a political city. Bethlehem had really very little political influence at all. It even wasn't really a commercial area. It was just like a sleepy little town. It wasn't even known high in education at all. The education system was barely getting by. It just wasn't known for that. It wasn't some university. It just wasn't significant at all in that day. But when Micah, the Old Testament prophet, prophesied the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, he emphasized its lack of significance to the world. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, you are little among thousands of Judah. You out of, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from the old, from everlasting. You're going to be born Jesus in the house of bread. Because you are the bread of life. Jesus' birth was announced to shepherds. Just common people, the shepherd. You want to be a pastor? That word pastor is shepherd. They were stinky. They actually weren't wealthy. You knew when a shepherd walked into town, they smelt like sheep. You ever been to a pig farmer? You ever sit in a pig farmer's truck? I, I used to ride with a pig farmer once in a while, and oh my goodness, he smells like his pigs. I mean, now they're a whole lot better, but back then, he smelled like pigs, like a dairy farmer. You ever smelled the dairy farmer's hands? Actually, now this is all automated, most of them. But sheep, they literally were scrubbing the excrements and stuff off of the wool because they didn't want it to mat up and get plugged up and dirty and devalue itself. You want to be a pastor? Come on, we got some sheep to scrub. I'm just kidding. kidding. The second thing, Christ was born in Bethlehem to satisfy our spiritual hunger. The bread of life. John 6, 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Isaiah 55, verse 2, why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Why do you spend money for what is not bread? He's not talking about why do you spend spend money on loaf of bread. No, what he's talking about is why are we wasting our money in hours of time and, and strength and everything to buy things that don't have a longevity of meaning in our life? Why instead are we not focused on the bread, the truth that will set us free? That's why I get so excited to to be with Windward in the sense that what we raise here and and put together for our building and keeping salaries going, but also Windward tithes directly internationally to many international ministries that are connected with us. You see, we get to, to, to pour in and sow in here, but yet at the same time we're being evangelistic personally and sowing into the nations of the world. And into causes locally as well, too. 
We're not just international. We want to start here through Canada, America, and around the world is, is our hope, hope and desire. Only Christ satisfies the eternal dimension of the human spirit. It's only Christ that can satisfy the internal perspectives of who we actually are. And we go through life kind of searching and looking at who are we? Some of us think, oh, well, we're somebody. We're somebody. You know what? Let's back it down a little bit. You are somebody. But it doesn't mean your name has to be written in the lights. You don't have to have a big platform. What matters is that you are somebody. You, through the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through your veins, have been forgiven and set free. That you don't walk in fear. You don't walk in, 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 in I was going to say temor, which is fear in Spanish. You don't walk with, oh no, what's going to happen? You, you, we, we can't keep walking in life this way. Things will happen. They're happening. I understand, you know, protect yourselves. Put a seatbelt on in the car. Yeah, that's great. Wear a helmet when you're riding your motorcycle. That's great. Protect yourself. But the reality is, is it's not just about you. This season we're in, it's not just about me. This season is about everybody else. And we need to be who God has called us to be with such a power and an authority by the blood of Jesus Christ and a resurrected power that lives and dwells inside of us every minute of the day. That when we walk out of that car and we go into the shopping mall, you have a mask on, whatever. But the reality is, is you're not walking in there in fear. You're walking in there in power and authority of Jesus, a risen Lord and Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords. Sometimes we get so wrapped up, you just got to turn the news off once in a while. I tell you what, I can only listen to so much news. I listen to more BC News only because of the floods and everything else. Otherwise, I'm like, it just repeats itself. You can sit there and watch it 15, 20 minutes and the same stories over and over again. And all through the BC News, it's COVID, COVID, COVID on the bottom. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, more people are sick, more people are dying. You know what? Yes. The crazy thing is, though, and I'm not saying pro-COVID, anti-COVID, I'm, I'm just pro-anything that slows down God's purpose on this earth. Uh, anti. Did I say anti or pro? <laughs> I'm against. <laughs> I'm against <laughs> anything that slows God's purpose down on this earth. <laughs> I mean, actually, do you remember that like, there's, people have cancer out there? Remember, people actually have tumors. People, do you remember influenza? Is that still around? <laughs> hey, the common cold? Or the scratchy throat? Remember the scratchy throat? It wasn't the first thought, oh no, go get tested. No, it was like, drink some orange juice for crying out loud. Chew a vitamin C. I'm not against what's going on as far as protecting everybody. What I'm against, though, is a far-reaching government that seems to be cracking down on power and isolating itself like we've never seen in our country's history and going into debt like we have never seen in our country's history. 
We need to be proactive. Get the shot, don't get the shot. I believe it should be your choice. But that's up to you. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Well, that's your choice. Put a seatbelt on, don't put a seatbelt on, your choice. I mean, get fines, you have to pay tickets. But just make sure that our focus isn't what's going wrong around us. But our focus is actually on the answer to fix everything that's going wrong around us. Because I'll tell you what, focusing on all the problems, it is depressing. Oh, sometimes we just need to shut social media down. Oh, I have to just, oh, what did you just say? And you're a friend of mine, delete. You delete a friend? Yep, delete. I don't, I don't need that on going across my wall. I want good things on my wall. I actually don't even want a lot of politics on my wall. I want Jesus Christ, his name to be glorified. Christ, the bread of life born from the house of bread. Third thing, Christ was born in Bethlehem to show us that we must choose him as Savior for ourselves. Nobody else can choose him for you. Going to church doesn't make you a believer in Jesus. Being a good person doesn't make you a believer. You have to choose for yourself. Everyone has to choose for themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. We, for we all partake of that one bread. We're all diverse in this room and watching online right now. We have such a crazy diversity in every one of us. I guarantee you that if you and I sat down and talked about something political or something whatever, you probably would have diversity of perspectives than I do. My, my, my understanding's correct, yours is wrong, but beyond that, I'm kidding. There's a diversity. How, how, why should we not celebrate a diversity to become stronger? I am so glad that when I played a sport like soccer or basketball, it wasn't just about me. I was a goaltender in soccer for many years. I actually won, won some trophies. And, and uh, because I, I grew up in South America, and so I was taught, and I got these really long arms, so for goaltending it was good. But you know what? As I sat back there and the ball was moving up the other end, I am so glad that I wasn't the only player on that team. Because I would be beaten to death by kicks and balls and everything else flying at me. I am so glad for defensemen, forwards, wingers. I'm so glad for centers. I'm just so glad that there's actually some umpires. Umpires are good in a game, in a sports thing. Umpires are good in our society. Fund the police. Don't decrease it. Increase it. I mean, who in their right mind would even think and consider that you're going to have less crime if you take the police away? Well, it ain't working so good south of the border in some of the cities. Now they're actually switching around. I watched the news the other night in, in the U.S. news, and... 
And uh, some of the mayors that were all defund the police are now saying, hey, we need to pay, get, raise more taxes, get more police involved. <laughs> flip-flop, flip-flop. We are one body. We are bread because of Jesus Christ who was born in the city of Bethlehem. Jesus Christ is the only, the only spiritual bread we need. We better not find our spiritual bread from other sources. We can't even find our, our spiritual faith in man or woman. Because if we think that everyone else is going to teach us and our children how to do life, I want to tell you, this better be the only thing that's teaching us and our children how to do life. Again, if we don't fill our children's minds with the Word of God, it will be filled. They will be filled with something else. If we don't fill our children with hope, then they're going to look elsewhere. And it could mean that they try to change who God created them to be. Because everyone that I've talked to that has struggled with changing the God-created person haven't had hope They haven't had peace. There's turmoil inside. They're looking for joy. And they think that changing themselves is going to give them joy. Many, many people that are struggling just haven't had love from a father or from a mother. every person that struggles so deeply without having hope, peace, joy, and love, they don't know Christ Jesus. You see, we gather here on this Sunday morning not for a glory club or a country club feeling. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here because I just want to feel good. No. I'm here with a mission. I have given up my businesses over the years We sold absolutely everything and poured it into Bibles and tracts for new believers. Every RRSP, every savings that we had over the years, we poured in to 
buying bread for the lost people. See, my mission isn't a Sunday morning. My mission, it started when God knew me before the foundations of the earth were laid. It started while I was being formed in my mother's womb. He sanctified us. In your mission, it started before the foundations of this earth were laid. Your mission, you were sanctified, as Jeremiah 1.5 says, sanctified while in your mother's womb. And when the Son of God came into this earth, just over 2,000 years ago, he became a living testimony and example of how you and I are to live. He hung on that cross, a crown of thorns on his head, nails piercing his hands, nails piercing his feet. You see, the average person, sinner, murderer, whatever, they were hung with rope around their, arm, their wrists and their feet. But no, no, the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst got spikes driven in. And probably the only man or one of the only men in history ever to be accused of such a violentless crime. It had no merit. What had he done wrong? He was a nice guy. He preached truth. The king didn't like that people wanted to follow him. No, his greatest crime, if there was one, was that he loved you so much that he was willing to die for it. If you accuse Jesus on that cross of any one thing, it was that he saw your future, your destinies, and he knew you, your kids, grandbabies, great-grandchildren were all worth dying. Because when he rose again, he wiped your sin away and mine. Oh, I thank the Lord every day that my past is done. All we have ahead is future. That you and I must focus not on things in the past, unless you want to see it as power of testimony. But we focus not on things of the past. We focus on the things of the future. That you know that God has called you for such a time as this. That your purpose on earth it's just beginning, every day new, every day new. And that what he knew before the foundations of the earth were laid, and what Jesus knew while he hung on that cross, when he rose, 
became the authority of all heaven and earth. So you and I walk in power, in hope, in peace, in joy, in love. And we bring the good news to everybody we come in contact with. Let's all stand. As we conclude today, we're not finished. Everyone's invited downstairs. And we're going to all eat together. Might even be some bread down there. I'm not sure. Probably is. Yeah, we'll have some bread. When you eat some bread, oh, no, I can't. Well, try a little piece and just think of where Jesus was born and what he became called the bread of life. Yeah, but I can't eat gluten or whatever's in there. You know what? Try just a little piece. I always see the word gluten. I always think of glutton. So if that means that I'm glutton-free, I'm not. I'm full of glutton. No, I'm not. No, don't be gluttons. Where am I going? I have no idea. But let's really remember what this season is about. His name is Jesus the Christ, the Lord of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who died on a cross to wash away your sins and your family, even that really strange uncle that you might have. Just kidding. Anyone have one of those? Hope he's not watching today. But he rose again. And the devil screamed and yelled because the devil knew that he lost. He lost. Because you and I are called to be winners, not whiners, winners. You are on the winning team, the team that has already won. Let's walk as winners, let's walk in the victory, in the power and the authority that he gave to us, that one that was born in an eating trough for animals, because there was no room for him anywhere else. I want to encourage you, have you made room for Jesus? Anyone watching right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you need to make room for Him. And that might mean kick out some of your hotel guests that have stuck in your hotel. Your hotel sin, kick it out. And make room for Jesus the Christ in your life today. Jesus' name, we bless the food downstairs, all the hands that have prepared it, all the helpers and servers. Bless them abundantly, Lord God, everyone who prepared.
even in their own homes. Let their homes be blessed, Father. Let the families rejoice this Christmas. <laughs> even with the, the lockdowns and the things that have happened, I, I pray, Lord God, and declare that we will rejoice. <laughs> no matter what laws say, this is the birthday party of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we celebrate him. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Bless you all. We'll see you downstairs. The prayer team is up here if you want.